Welcome to Annaswick Church. We hope this message from our senior leader, Brent Lieberzeit, empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annasbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, we, uh, it's good to be here. Great to be in a great moment of worship and a great moment of allowing God to do what He wants to do in our life. Um, God, how many of you know God deserves our worship? And He deserves our praise. Uh, which is an interesting dynamic when sometimes from our perspective, we wonder if He does deserve it. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to be a negative Nigel, but not everything is happy clappy all the time. I don't know if you found that in your life. I'm talking to Christians this morning. I know that if you're not a, uh, you know, if you don't know Jesus, you haven't made him Lord of your life, this is going to be a great message for you. Uh, not such a great message for those who do know Jesus. Uh, because, you know, we recognise even with knowing Jesus, not everything is happy clappy. Uh, it's just not. Yet we are to count it all what? Joy is the flag flown high. Or, I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Exactly. It's interesting that the response to that is where? Did you hear the where come out then? I've got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. Down in my heart. Because I think sometimes, the reason, for that, the reason why that song was written, which was back in the 1970s, if anyone remembers the 1970s, Back in the 1970s, that joy, 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 joy down in your heart, and everyone responding by where? The reason for that is often as Christians, we're not really showing the joy because not everything is joyful. But there is a joy that goes deep, deeper than just the happy, clappy kind of feel. And we are to give thanks in everything, uh, in every season. And even if today you're walking through a difficult time, a harsh time, a, a, a time that possibly even could be terrifying for you, there is still this, uh, this f- I guess, fake it till you make it kind of moment where we still worship and we still praise God no matter what. It kind of seems weird to fake it to make it. But when you're in a situation, you'll understand what I mean. When things aren't going your way, You'll know what I mean by fake it to make it. Because there have been times when I've had to fake it to make it. And the reason why I've faked it is because I'm not making it, but I know I can make it. And so in my making, there are moments when you actually got to fake it. But I'm not faking it because I'm not actually having joy in the situation. So it becomes real for me because my joy is in God. Okay, my joy is in God. My joy is not in my circumstance. My joy is in God. And so uh, understanding that uh, often we in our natural form or our own human form will say, well, God doesn't deserve my praise today, so I'm not going to praise Him. And that's how we think from a human level. But when we align our human life to the word life, to the kingdom life, then everything changes. He doesn't. It's us who don't deserve it. 
He gave everything for us. And because of that, no matter what my circumstances, I'm going to praise Him anyway. I'm going to worship Him, worship him anyway. And we know that in life we have lessons to learn, we have trials, we have hardships, and it's all part of life. And we are called to embrace those seasons and come out just that little bit stronger. Okay, you with me? But sometimes our perspective of God can see that He is unreasonable, that at times God is odd. Uh, and, and He's difficult at times. Some of the things that happen are difficult to swallow and we can so easily become discouraged. We don't know we've got discouraged sometimes, but we do know we have a low energy towards God. We have... Uh, we, we know we don't love as much as what we used to. We know we're not giving like we used to. We're not believing or we're not hoping like we used to. Our faith has become small. Our dreams are now in the past. There were things we had when we were kids. And we settle for the wilderness knowing that there's a promised land out there somewhere but it's out of reach for me. And we dwell, instead of a uh, promise of God, we dwell in discouragement. And it's right there that the devil has you. And he's got you right where he wants you. No courage, no confidence like Jared spoke on last Sunday, talking about the confidence, having a confidence in God. But the devil's got us in a place where we've lost our confidence, we're discouraged, there's no strength, there's no power, and it's just good old discouragement. And yet, I bring to the table a word from the Lord. And it's always good to go back to the Word of God because the Word of God speaks a little bit differently to my mind and to my thinking. So when there's discouragement, Joshua chapter one and verse nine says, for I have, have I not commanded you to be what? Strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I got God with me. I'm all good. If the Lord is your God, that means He is with you wherever you go. Can you imagine that? God with you. So if God is with you, now you have all the courage that you need. And He's saying to you, be strong and be courageous. Well, how can I be strong and courageous? Because I've got the Lord God with me. That's amazing. So why be discouraged? Why be downhearted? But anyway, here's another question, because I think it begs, it begs to ask a question. Why is it then when we read the Bible, some people get an instant healing or breakthrough and other people are waiting and waiting and waiting, good people waiting for a miracle? Why when the Israelites went off to battle, sometimes they just had to sneeze and they got the victory. 
It's true. They, they go out to battle one day and all these clay jars, they, they take these clay jars with them, smash these clay jars and, uh, and, and, and they defeat the enemy. Like It's like crazy stuff. They, they, they get a victory and because uh, the enemy freaked out at the sound of the breaking jars. And yet in the same book, that was in the book of Joshua, in the same book, Joshua is fighting a battle that is sapping his strength. He's growing weary. And in the midst of his weariness, he prays this prayer that just doesn't make sense. God, would you hold the sun still? Like what? What a weird prayer to pray. If you could just keep the sun still. In other words, what Joshua was saying, I gotta keep going. I can't give up now. God didn't go, okay, Joshua, yeah, it's time for you to have a break. Uh, the day is finished, you can go home now. No, Joshua is saying, if the fight is still on, then I'm still here. If this is what you've called me to do, then I'm in boots and all. I ain't gonna let a little weariness take me out. I'm not quitting until the victory has been won. God, I just need more daylight. That's all I need. Why is it that some people will shout Jesus and instant healing? Boom, healed. Others are crying out, Jesus, where are you? I'm waiting. I'm desperate. Why in the Christian world that we have those instant miracle Christians? Do you know those instant miracle Christians? They can be so annoying. You know, like, like, oh, you're never going to believe what happened the other day. I prayed for a financial miracle and voila, guess what happened? The next morning there was a check in the mail. It's like, well, some of you are saying, what's a check? <laughs> Somewhere. Or oh, I got a promotion at work. Amazing. Or, or, or somebody's given me a new car. Or the kids did the dishes. Or the dog sang, Kumbaya, my Lord. And you're like, great. I've been praying for a miracle for years and years and years. And there ain't, I've I, I got no dog singing Kumbaya in my home. And we hear of these instant miracles and we say, yep, that's the God I want to serve. We've got ex-addicts in here in this room this morning. We've got ex-alcoholics in this room this morning who received instant miracles when they got saved. But we've also got others that have had 20 years of praying for breakthrough, believing God for freedom. And whether we like it or not, we know God is the God of both. God is the God of both. Here's an instant. Let me give you an instant. Luke chapter 7. Jesus uh, is on a journey. He's walking from town to town. Verse 11, it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, so she lost her husband. Now she's lost her son. 
and a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and said, don't cry. It's very interesting. Take note of that. That that is the words that Jesus spoke to this woman. Don't cry. There is something about stopping your crying for the miracle of God to take place. Oh, anyway, that's a whole other message. <laughs> then he went up and he touched the coffin. Actually, I'll bring it up later. Remind me. He went, he went up and he touched the coffin and those carrying it stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, get up. Eight words. That was it. And the dead man sat up, began to talk, and Jesus came back to his mother. I mean, hey, who was this woman? I mean, was she a God botherer? Was she saved? Had she been on her knees praying? We actually have no idea. She didn't even come to Jesus. She didn't bring him to Jesus. She was just having a funeral procession. Jesus came to her. And he says, take the lid off. Open it up. And then these eight simple words, young man, I say to you, get up. It was an answer to her situation and it was instant. It was a suddenly, suddenly he sat up and Jesus gave him to his mother and he just walked on. Many of us want it all and we want it now. I want it all. I want it all. Paul Madsen, come on, you can help me with this. And I want it now. Not your key. Come on. I need my marriage fixed now. I need a breakthrough now. I need you, God, to do something now. It's not in the sometime. It's got to be now. I don't know why I sang that. But I think we do sing a lot. And we sing a similar tune. And many of us want it all and we want it now. So why did the Israelites have to walk around the walls of Jericho seven times? Seven times they had to walk around when God didn't need them to do anything for anything to happen. We know God's a big God. He didn't need, to need them to be walking around seven times. So what's up with that? Okay, here's another story. John chapter 11. You good? Here's a difficult to understand story. Here's a group of people who needed the same miracle as the widow of Nain needed. And this story will help you to understand some things of the ways of God. This will build your faith. It will help you believe again for those of you who need to believe again. And it will encourage you for those of you who are discouraged. Are you ready for this? John chapter 11. A man was sick. His name was Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Now this is the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. Now remember, when you put it in comparison with the widow of Nain, you recognise or realise here that this is a story that's quite different in some ways, even though it's the same miracle needed, but different situation, different circumstance. For a start, these people are not strangers. All we knew was her, was knowing the widow of Nain is the widow of Nain. I don't think that was her name. 
That's what she was. Uh, whereas with this story, we got, we got some people here with names, Mary and Martha. Uh, we, and, and so Jesus knew these people. He, uh, he, he, he was able to put names to faces. Like we're talking about a, a greater acquaintance, a greater friendship. Uh, people Jesus knew. There were people whose house Jesus would go to for dinner. He would sit with them as a family member. In other words, Jesus loved them and they loved Him. So here's an area that conjures up a question as we read through this. My gosh, if Jesus can do what He did with a stranger, why then would He treat me, the one whom He clearly loves, and I love Him, why is He treating me so badly? It's very difficult to reconcile in our mind when you know how close you are to God. God, you know I love you. You know I give. I mean, gosh, God, I even tithe. I serve on a Sunday. I show up every Sunday and yet I'm still waiting. 15 years I've been waiting for that miracle. So the sisters sent word to Jesus Here comes some interesting language. They say, Master, the one you love is very much sick. Oh, the one you love so much. The one you love so very much is sick. (laughs) Sorry. I got a clap for that. Oh gosh, I'm not doing well, I can tell. You get a clap for that. So, So basically, here we go. Oh gosh, it's no manipulation. Like no, no, no control here, no pressure here, Jesus. Just someone you love. Someone you love, Jesus, is sick. In other words, can we jump the queue? I'd like to bump the system. Uh, remember Lazarus, he is the one who tithed. Come on, Jesus, you just bless someone who doesn't even know you. How much more are you going to bless someone who does? Just reminding you in case you forgot. I've worked my butt off for the kingdom of God. I'm not complaining, Jesus. I'm just letting you know. (laughs) Now get ready for verse four. Here's verse four. Verse four. And it's in every version of every Bible, every translation. Verse four, when Jesus got the message. Jesus has got your message. (laughs) Now you think about that. He's got your message. It ain't on snail mail. It isn't forgotten like a note placed in a glass bottle and sent out to the sea. He's got your message. And when Jesus got the message, he said this, and this is really important as well, because this is what we often forget. Jesus said, this sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Jesus, uh, verse five, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. All right, what does that mean? It means that love is not in question here. Thanks, babe. So he's got the message. What does that mean? He's got the message. He'll sort it. And it'll become an occasion to glorify God. His love for Lazarus is not in question here. Now listen to what the message says. It says, but oddly. 
<laughs> Nowhere else in Scripture does it say but oddly, but John was confused. John is the writer of this, uh, and, and uh, uh, he's absolutely confused about what is going on. So, but oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. What is Jesus up to? I don't know. I don't know about you, but I don't know if your faith is big enough or strong enough for a but oddly, but it needs to be. There is no clearer way of explaining Jesus' actions from, what, from John's perspective than just but oddly. This is odd. He didn't rush. He didn't just drop everything. He didn't panic. But oddly, he stayed where he was for two more days. When your relationship with Jesus runs deeper than him being more than just an acquaintance or being a friend, uh, to being a friend, sorry, trust is seldom questioned, right? See, when you ask a friend about a problem and they say, oh, I'll get back to you on that, you know they're going to get back to you. Now, it might not be in the next minute or the next two minutes. Fortunately, we have phone calls these days. We don't just have to walk somewhere. We can actually ring somebody. But you are resting in the fact that at some point, you know your friend's going to get back to you because you, have now, you, because you trust them. They're not strangers. So you're not fretting. You're not stressed over what it is they will get back to you about because you trust your friend enough. You know they'll, go back, they'll get back to you. You would never entertain the thought that maybe they've stopped loving you because they didn't return your call after a couple of hours. Isn't it amazing how with friends you can have time apart, but when you get back together, uh, it's like you just kick off from where you last took off, where you last left them from last time. There's no weird agenda. There's no sense of, of oh, oh my gosh, I, I haven't heard from them. I guess that means I'm not their friend anymore. And with God, when you have him as friend, he knows he doesn't need to be at your every beck and call in an instant. He's my friend and I know he is true to his word, even though I don't know what he's up to, right? So we are friends and nothing about what he is doing or not doing has nothing to do with whether he loves me or does not love me. I know he loves me. Jesus loves me. This I know. Oh, you're so awesome. <laughs> I know he will never leave me. I know he is always faithful. I can trust him. So then I can relax in the grace of his friendship, knowing he has what is best for me. Now, many of you are driving past our house at the moment and seeing that no one's there. Surprise, surprise. It's been about 15 months now of trying to work it through with EQC and insurance and, and, uh, and, and things like that. Uh, but I've got to say that, you know, there have been moments when it's been pretty tough, to be honest, uh, and tough to work out the end result. But we've had to, my wife and I, we've had to resolve the fact that God's got our best interests at heart. And that is the weirdest thing. <laughs> 
to think about. So I can relax because we're friends. I can relax in the grace of that friendship knowing he has what's best for me. And Jesus will be glorified through it all. He has to be. Otherwise, what's the point? But oddly, anyone had an oddly in their life? There's some odd things going on often in our world. After two days, he said to his disciples, okay, let's go back to Judea. He said these things and then he announced, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. (laughs) The disciples said, Master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll be good rested up and he'll wake up feeling fine. Jesus was talking about death while his disciples thought he was talking about taking a nap. (laughs) Then Jesus became explicit. He says, Lazarus has died (laughs) and I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. Why? You're about to be given new grounds for believing. If there's anything about the long distance with him, it's about new ground. There is new ground that he wants you to to uncover and to discover that actually takes you into a whole new place of believing. And that whole new place of believing is why? Because a great brings it builds a greater trust with God. And when he says nothing is impossible, then you will believe it. And when you believe these things, God's power comes on your life that then releases the impossible dream, that releases that impossible situation that you find yourself in. And there's a breakthrough that happens. I mean, how exciting. New grounds for believing. This has taken it to a whole nother level. To the discouraged, are you ready to shake it off? Because you are about to get a whole nother level of believing. New faith ground, new expectation of what God can do. And all of a sudden, this journey has started now. It's not just about Lazarus anymore. It's actually about other people. Your journey, it's not about you. Not just about you. There's people involved in it. And all of a sudden, this journey, that it's, it's not an instant miracle, it's, it's, it's layers. And now even the disciples are being taught something of a work of God that they'd never ever known before. New ground of believing He's saying, I'm glad I wasn't there because it wasn't just about Lazarus. It was about you boys, about you getting some new understanding about who I am, about you seeing a side of me you've never seen before, about you understanding that I'm good at this stuff and I can do the impossible and your faith needs to increase so that you too can trust me more than you ever have. I'm bringing you into the Lazarus deal. And we need to have that attitude. God, am I learning something here? There are more people getting involved for a reason. I know you're not teasing me. You're not wanting to hurt me. So there must be something you're wanting to show me. And the disciples are now involved in the journey. Don't worry about Lazarus. He's having a nice nap. That's what Jesus said. He's he's sleeping. He's having a good old nap in his man cave, literally. (laughs) 
He's away from his sisters. And he's enjoying a little bit of peace and quiet. So let's not worry about Lazarus. Then that's when Thomas, the one called the twin, said to his companions, verse 16, come along, we might as well die with him. There's always a Thomas. <laughs> Going back to Judea was not good for their health, according to Thomas. Okay, verse 17, Jesus finally gets there. Whew, we're there. He found Lazarus already four days dead. Wow, four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathising with them over their, brother Martha, over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Of course she did. Two sisters who dealt with these issues, or this particular issue quite differently. And they are here in this room this morning, the Marthas and the Marys. Martha was the control freak. Mary was the emotional basket case. <laughs> now I wonder which one are you? I've got to be honest, sometimes I think I'm both. I think I'm bipolar. I can be Mary at times and I can be Martha at times. A little bit of confusion around the gender identity on that for me, but anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to put that in the audience. So Martha, here's, here's Martha, the control freak, right? Realise the error of Jesus' ways. Jesus really got this wrong. He's really got it wrong. He's miscalculated his time. Four days dead. Hung out for two days before even, turning, before even walking there. I'm gonna let you know, Jesus, that you've let us down and I'm gonna move into damage control right now and save Jesus from such an embarrassment. And some of us, some of us, we have all the Scriptures and we back up for why Jesus hasn't shown up. We explain Him away, but inside you're dying. You're asking, why not, Jesus? Why didn't you come? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? but you've got a nice controlled response on the outside. So Martha gets up to tidy up the embarrassment. Martha said, Master, verse 21, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. It's control. See, I'm doubting you, Jesus, but you really messed this one up. He's four days dead. But you know, even now, God will answer you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know he's going to be raised up. It's going to be at the end of the time. We all know about the resurrection. He said, well, you don't have to wait for the end. This is the most powerful scripture in scripture. You don't have to wait for the end. I am right now the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Believe in Jesus. There ain't no death. It's a step in a stepping through a door. And then he says, Martha, do you believe this? What do you mean, Jesus? Of course, we've, we've lived our life believing in you. Yes, Master, she says, all along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world, right? That was her answer. 
No, Martha, I'm not asking for your pat response. I want past the veneer. I want past the control. I want past the tidying up. I want to know, is there a believer inside of you or have you put it to death with your brother? Have you laid your dream down because of the hurdles that you've now having to overcome? Or is there a flicker inside of you? Is there faith within you that could believe again about that which I have not called uh, dead? I have only called it asleep. Wow. Where are you in this situation, Martha? Do you believe? Any Marthas out there? Jesus would be standing in front of you saying, do you believe? Do you believe? Or are you just trying to keep it tidy, explaining me away? So this is not just about Lazarus, right? He's asleep. This has become about the people Jesus loves. A whole group of people now in the story. Now here's the other, the Mary. We're getting, getting there. Here's Mary, verse 28. After saying this, she went to her sister Mary. This is Martha, goes to Mary, whispers in her ear and says, hey, the teacher is here and is asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. When her sympathising Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary was a sob queen. She was getting all the sympathy and she was loving it. And boy, how many Christians today want to get all the sympathy and absolutely love the drama of it all. Mary was like that. And there have been times when I've wanted to be like Mary as well in a male kind of way. (laughs) Mary was making it all about her. Her friends followed her thinking she was off to weep at Lazarus' latest bedroom. And they thought she was just changing weeping position. But Jesus is asking after her. That's right, Jesus is after the crier as well, by the way. He's after the emotional basket case. Just a good point to note. He's after the control freak and he's after the crier. Because those emotions tell Jesus that you don't believe either. Those emotions tell him that you would rather wail and weep than stand and believe. Those emotions have taken you from tombside to tombside and you still haven't got a breakthrough. Those emotions have put a gap between you and God. And some of us have a Mary syndrome and she has plenty of sympathising friends, by the way, reiterating to you how much God has let you down. So she runs out and her friend's with her and she falls at Jesus' feet. So verse 32, Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. He got angry and he said, where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Shortest verse in the Bible comes up right now. Now Jesus wept. Jesus weeping is short. Shortest verse in the Bible. It's to the point. He's understanding their grief. He doesn't mind you having that emotional moment, but to go on and on whining and bitterness about your situation, that, my friend, is a faith killer. Now, it's not just the disciples or, many, uh, or Mary and Martha. Now it's the many Jews who had turned up. So we've got a big crowd turning up for this miracle. By now it's a crowd, not like there would have been or, or have been had been an instant miracle. This is the thing. If it had been an instant miracle, not many people would have really known about it. So there's now a crowd watching. And I believe there's a crowd watching you to see how you're going to play out, how you're playing out your Christian life. 
The people are looking for answers today. And if they can see that you've got, truly got a friend, if they can truly see that you can trust in Him, then they will be, that, that, that's going to change their life. But if you just keep on whining about it, or you just keep on being the control freak yourself in regard to your situation, trying to make it all happen, make it all work, there's too many, too many things at stake here to be that. The Jews said in verse 36, look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? Typical. After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. The many voices, if God loved you so much, how come he ain't come through for you? And those voices will gather around your life. Verse 38, then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb and it was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. Music team, come on, come on, come on up, music team. We need to finish. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. The King James Version says, he stinketh. <laughs> He's been dead for four days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus! King James Version, come forth or come out. And he came out a cadaver which basically means a dead body wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over his face, which is basically his whole face was wrapped in this cloth. And Jesus said to them, unwrap him and let him loose. The same miracle as the widow of Nain's son, a coffin opened, resurrection of a life. The same miracle, oh, but hang on a moment. It's not quite the same when God takes his time. Because when God takes His time, number one, don't forget the witness you are being to the many crowding around you. And number two, don't forget the next level of believing God that He takes you on. Next level. There's a next level for some of you. In the back room of your mind, there are things in your life that have been boxed up and a label placed on the top saying, Forgotten. And you've packaged away, for some of you, packaged away that teenager and said, he or she is too far gone. Or you've packaged up that sickness saying, no, I just have to live with it. Or you've tidied up with your controlling plan, your barrenness, and you've packaged all the nice answers around that of explanation of why God hasn't come through in the way you thought He would. And the enemy is winning. That's a win. Oh, it's another win. Oh, look at that, we score again. But I want you to know that God has not forgotten. God's got your message. And God has a plan for the journey you are on. Here's the question though. Will you believe? Will you believe? Why do people get an instant and others get the, the slow cooker? I don't know. But God is so good at both. How many people here in the room need to hear the loving voice of Jesus saying, I will get you home, but it's gonna be better in my time than in your time. So fasten your seatbelt. 
Don't jump now. Enjoy the ride. Look out for the Marthas and the Marys in you, in your mind. Watch out for the disciples, the Jewish sympathisers even, the people with no hope who are sitting in the waiting room with you. While you're on your journey, look out for the crowd and let them see the journey of your life as you continue to believe and stand and allow God to be glorified. If we're going to believe and see something happen here, let's gather as many people as we can. Let faith arise. Get mad at the enemy. Don't get mad at God. Get mad at the enemy who has taken what he's stolen from you and he's got you discouraged. Get back the dream. Let faith arise. God sees you and He's not playing games with your life. And we would like an instant, but we must learn to be believing even when it's not. Let faith and expectation arise, even right here, right now in this room. Do you believe? Do you believe? You are not forgotten. And we break the hold of the enemy. It's tried to rob you of all the good things that God's wanting to put over your life. All the things that God is saying, I want you to believe in this now. I want you to believe at this level now. There's a whole new way now for you. Don't allow the enemy to rob you from what is possible in the Kingdom of God. We allow faith to arise. The box, the tomb of broken dreams, the box of separated lives, holes in the heart. That, that you've n- never allowed Jesus to really fill. The miracles held in the valley of indecision because of unbelief. There are miracles awaiting your belief. You're in the valley of indecision, get out of it. Exactly. You're in the box of this far and no further. You're in the box of yesterday. That was then, this is now. What are you gonna do? Let the stone that's kept you in the dark, kept you discouraged, kept you, kept you dismayed, let the stone be rolled away and watch for the miracle that God wants to do in your life. And it may not be yet, It may not be right now, but it's coming. Keep the faith. Keep believing. Would you please stand? As I said right at the beginning, everything may not be happy clappy, but we are to count it all joy. Are you discouraged? Then you've come to the right place. Do you have a low energy towards God? Have you lost your love? Have you stopped your giving? Have you stopped believing? Have you lost your hope? The hope that you used to have. Has your faith become so small that your dreams are in the past and you feel like you're just settled for the wilderness? I'm just settled here, I'm camping out. And it's there that the devil has you right where he wants you. No courage, no confidence, no strength. Just good old discouragement. Well, it's time right now to go back into the enemy's camp, take back what he's stolen from you.
Discouraged? God says, take courage. It's a command, by the way. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. First question is, do you know the Lord as your God? Or are you following other gods? You're kind of like, you know, dabbling around here on Sunday. But really, something else has become your God. It's time to turn away from that. If you want this, if you need the courage, you need the confidence, you need the strength, you need something from God today. And sometimes that thing that you need today can often be a reason to get back to Him and get back in relationship with Him so that you can have Him in your life forever, for eternity. Remember, when you die, you're only a, you, you, there is a resurrection and a life that is something for us to look forward to. If you're a Christian, Jesus said, you'll never die. There is no death in Christ. Do you know Him? You're in relationship with Him? Maybe this is your moment to call out to Him and say, God, I need You. I need You in my life. I'm, I can't do this on my own. Yes, I want the courage. Yes, I want the confidence. But I realised, God, You're not my Lord. And Lord, You're not my God. I've allowed other things to become that. So right now is a moment. It's a moment where you can step into a new place in God. Say, okay, God, I, I give You my life. I'm giving it to You. I, I, I don't have anywhere else to go. I, I don't have any other way of getting out of this discouragement. I've tried other things, but it just doesn't work. I make You my God today. I'm making You my God. I recognise what Jesus has done. Give me the freedom to be able to actually step into the presence of God, into knowing God, into having a relationship with God, even having a friendship with Him. I put my trust in Him. I surrender to Him. Maybe that's something you want to do this morning. For others of you who are just simply discouraged, God says, take courage. Take courage. I'm going to ask you this morning, we're going to sing this song, God is our way maker. He's a way maker for you. And whatever thing you're going through, whatever issue you're facing right now, whether it be small or whether it be big, I know some people are going to respond who've got some big things going on in their life, but there's others of you who need to respond as well, even though it may be small in, your, in, 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 in what's going on in your life. But discouragement often can only, only just needs to start with a seed and it can grow, a big, grow into a big tree. And you've got to arrest it where you're at right now. You've got to arrest it today. Don't allow discouragement to, to, to cause you to walk away. Don't allow discouragement to stop you from believing. Don't allow discouragement to stop you from going to that next level of believing in God. So I want to give you an opportunity as we sing this song just to respond. And there'll probably be many of you who will respond, I'm sure. And we just want to pray with you and to pray for you. If you're giving your life to Jesus, by the way, if you already have, maybe you've done it in your head already or in your heart already, because decision is not just by a hand up, by the way. A decision is just a decision really is in your own heart, in your own mind of what you want to do with this, with this God whom we're talking about, this Jesus who loves you, who wants to be your friend. And so you might want to respond as well to say, yeah, this is what I've done today.
We'd love to pray with you and to pray for you. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what the next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website.